You know, something happened to me this morning that's happened to me a lot of times, a lot of times, even more now as I've been here at Sunnyside. This is what happens, and I'm sure many of you have had a similar experience. Someone comes into the church, or maybe they connect with you personally, and they say, story's usually similar. Someone in their family has passed away. They, story, 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 story. And what is the end result of the story? I need money, right? I need money, right? We've all heard the story many times, and it's such a difficult situation to know how to deal with. And, and last Sunday, what we really talked more was what, what, what was going on within the church itself, you know, within the church, within the body of believers, right? We talked about how, them having all things in common and what that meant, and that was within the body itself, but then today we're going to kind of move on to more, okay, so we have the church body, and they, they seem to be incredibly uh, willing to help and share with each other. It talked about them even selling things and being there for one another. But what about when the situation where you get to where someone who's maybe not in the church body, someone on the outside, and how do we put those two things together, and how do we handle it? And I would love to tell you in the next 20, 30 minutes, I'm going to give you all those answers, and of course you all know I'm not going to give them all. I'm just going to try to give a few principles that I think will help us make some decisions in the future. So let's go ahead and pray and we will get going. Dear Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would be with us. And as we go through this passage, I just pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would give me clarity. Lord, I just pray that uh, as we think on how to interact, Lord, with each other, but then we think about how to interact with the world, I just pray you would help us to do what is best. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to be in Acts chapter 3. This is going to be the first of 14 miracles in Acts. These are often, these miracles are a visual act that point to a deeper reality. Usually the point of the miracles, it seems early, there's many of them, right? They're clustered together here in the first century. Seems like there's a point that's trying to get across. Of course, one of the main point, with maybe other points being a part of it, is... We have shifted to this new thing, right? We're going Old Testament to New Testament. And how do you know it's going to be true? How do we know we're going to have a new text of Scripture? We're going to have miracles to prove it. It's also interesting as we go through the uh, miracles today that we are going to just cover the miracle, but we're not going to give into the speech after the miracle. I didn't think we'd be able to cover both, so we're just going to talk about the miracle. And this is how it goes. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple... At the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now, first of all, notice here that the church is still heavily involved with the temple. You might have thought something like this. Well, we're a Christian church now. The Messiah's come. Jews don't really accept the Messiah. So we're not going to go to this whole temple thing anymore, right? We're going to sort of se separate ourselves but they did not. They still continue to go to the temple. And I think this is interesting, and I think if it's interesting like this, you know, when you talk about how connected to the world should we be as believers, well, the answer doesn't seem to be total isolation, right? I mean, they did not just say, well, we're believers now. We're going to create a little, you know, community on our own, and then we're not going to interact with the world anymore. I mean, they continued to go to the temple, and of course, the temple would be full of people who did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. As a matter of fact, some of the same people that were a part of crucifying the Messiah would be there. So they go up to the temple. They're there in the, about 3 p.m. is what they would be. And this is one of the two key times of prayer. They often came to pray at 9 a.m. 
And 3 p.m., could you imagine if I told you this morning, well, Sunnyside's going to have daily prayer from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. I'd like you all to show up. I'm wondering what kind of tenants we would get. But they were apparently quite dedicated, and they would pray daily. And they would not only just pray daily, they would go to the temple to pray daily. And this is the first time we see John, though Peter does the talking. So they're coming they're doing their daily thing of going up to pray. Of course, their prayers have changed some because Jesus Christ is now into the picture, and they walk through. And as they're walking into the temple, it says in verse 2, A man, a lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask of alms entering the temple. Now, this man was lame from birth. This means it was very severe, right? I mean, it had to have been a very difficult problem. As a matter of fact, and I'll mention it again later, not only would it have been severe because he was lame from birth, you think, if you're like an adult and you've never walked in your whole life, what is the shape of your legs going to be in? They're going to be atrophied. They're going to be, you know, useless. I mean, even if whatever, maybe some kind of nerve damage in your back that was causing it, even if suddenly you went and had surgery and fixed that, your, your legs still would not be working, right? You would not be walking. This is a severe situation this man is in because he was damaged from birth. Then we go on, it talks about the beautiful gate. And we're not sure what the beautiful gate is particularly, but we think that the beautiful gate is a separate gate that is often called the Nicanor Gate. Now, this is the only time in the New Testament that the beautiful gate is mentioned. This passage here is. And it was what we think it is, is it's a bronze gate that was larger than the other gates. And it was a popular way to reach the temple when open for special occasions. And I'm going to read from you a little thing about this Nicor gate and why it was so special. So the gate was one of the best-known gifts made to the temple, and it was said that this was special because miracles were performed in connection with the gate, and therefore its memory was praised. So according to the Talmud, which we know is not like we don't know if this is 100% sure, but according to the Talmud, what miracles were performed by these girls? Well, well, there was a guy named Nicanor, and he went to Egypt. And when he went to Egypt and he came to bring them back, there was waves that were threatening to engulf them. There were waves that were threatening to destroy them. And so they were in fear. And so he takes one of the doors and he casts it into the sea. But the sea continued to rage. But as he prepared to cast the other door into the sea, Nicanor rose and clung to it as the other men were going to throw it in the sea, saying, cast me in with it. And as soon as he did this, the story goes that the sea immediately became calm. Now, he was still deeply grieved about the other door, but as they reached the harbor, the door broke the surface and appeared from under the sides of the boat. It washed up onto the shore. Or another version of the story is that there was a great sea creature who spit it out onto the shore, and that's how they received it. So anyway, there's this great sort of story around this special doors, this Nicanor doors. It was a big, beautiful, and it was bronze, and it was not only just any kind of bronze, it was probably Corinthian copper, which shone like gold. So all the other gates were actually probably gold or silver, or whatever, but they left this particular type of copper, and it was beautiful. 
It was uh, give, the Corinthian gold was a name given to a family of copper alloys with gold and silver, which were depletion gilded to give them a golden silver luster. So this is why we think this is the beautiful gate. We think that the beautiful gate is, I'll show you where we think it is. So this is kind of the big picture of the temple. This is Herod's temple. Now this is the uh, Temple Mount recreation, right? This is, if you would look at the Temple Mount today, it would look a lot different. You know, the Dome of the Rock would be on it. But this is what we think it looks like. And I'll draw here, if I can get my uh, guy the right size. We think that the beautiful gate would be the gate that is this one right here in the middle. I'll see if I can get it there. It's right there. And I keep telestrating, and it's not telestrating. When you use the color clear as your telestrator, it doesn't work. I just, I just can't figure it out. I this goofy thing. So we think it's this gate right here. So he would have been set near this gate. And so they're walking in and out. And of course, you may know that this outer area here, this is called the, like, the court of women. Women weren't allowed to go in beyond this point. And so then people would pass in between the court of men and the court of women through this particular gate. I'll give you a little bit closer view of one here, though... Unfortunately, you're not going to be able to see it particularly well. I don't think it's labeled, but it's not really very clear. You can see the Nikkor gate is the one there in the middle, and it's crossed between. So it's this huge, large, beautiful gate. And as they were sitting there, it says in verse 3, Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. So he's sitting there by this big, beautiful gate, He's probably there every day, and he asks for money. Now, it's actually a very important part of Jewish culture to give alms to the poor. They would do it, if you look in the Talmud and the, the writings of, of uh, the Jewish people, giving people money to the poor was a very important thing. As a matter of fact, this particular use of the imperfect tense talks about, it kind of, uh, it, it emphasizes the repeated appeals. He is probably not there just saying, hey, you know, I mean, like trying to be cool, nonchalant about it. He's probably begging, please, 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 please give me money. Silver and gold in the Greek are at the beginning of the sentence, emphasizing need for money here as we talk about the silver and gold later. And the apostles had to decide what to do. You know, the apostles lived fairly modestly. And so they have this choice. What are we going to do? This guy's asking us for money. He's here's every day. What do we do? And Peter directly gay, directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. Look at us. Now, what do you think this guy's trouble was? Well, I think if you talk to the guy, you know what he thought his trouble was? And I think he was probably right. I would like to eat lunch today. I would like to eat lunch today. I would like to eat dinner tonight. I'm assuming that was a big important thing on his mind at that point, right? How am I going to make it through today? Is he wrong? That that is a problem. No, he's not wrong. It's, of course it's a problem. We, none of, I, I don't think any of us are going to be skipping lunch and dinner today. This is a problem. And this is 
likely what he's focused on. What does he need to get through to get lunch and dinner that day? He needs money. He needs money. And so I don't think the man who was lame that was sitting there as a fool to think what he needed right at that point was he needed some money. I mean, he wanted to eat that day. But as Peter asks him to look at him, it's interesting to see Peter's response. I think we can gain some principles from this. We go to verse 5, and he fixes his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. So when he's asked him to look at him, of course, the man thinks they're going to give him money. And then Peter says, Peter said, I have no silver and gold. Once again, this is silver and gold. The beginning of the sentence emphasizes it. I have no silver, no gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. First of all, notice he tells this man to walk. Who is the one that has the power? It's Jesus Christ, right? So Jesus Christ performed miracles while he's here. And then shortly after he's gone, as the disciples, the apostles do miracles, they do it in Christ's name because Christ is the power. And what I think I'm seeing here, and maybe I'm wrong, but... I think Peter looks at the man and says, what you think you need is a couple bucks to get through the day. But you know what would be really great? You know what would really solve your problem that could get you for more than just through this day? That if you could walk again. Because guess what happens when you just got, get enough money to get through the day? Tomorrow comes, and then you got to get enough money to get through that day. The next day comes, and you got to have enough money to get through that day. So as far as the physical needs of this man, what was his real problem? While needing money wasn't wrong, boy, wasn't it great to be able to walk again, and now he would once again be able to become part of society the way he probably always wanted to be. And so often when someone comes like this morning and, and I don't know them and they, they just say, I want, I want money. You say, I could give you money. I could give you money. And, and you know, it's not crazy to think that you need money. But what we need you to do is get you walking again. Get you walking again. Sometimes money is a part of that, right? I mean, you know, they, so, someone to get on their feet. Money is, I'm not saying it never is. But usually there's like a deeper root problem that we often have. A deeper issue. Sometimes that issue is a, sometimes that issue is a personal issue. Maybe, maybe they served in the military and, and it's just haunting them. Haunting them. And, and no matter how many times you give them a few bucks, guess what? It's still going to be haunting them. It's still going to be there that night when they go to bed. It's still going to be there when they get up that morning. It's still going to be there. Oftentimes, our troubles are deeper than just, I need enough to get through the day. And Peter sees that, and he says, rise up and walk. And he took him up by the right hand. Likely the man had his hand reaching out for the money, and he picks him up by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Right? It's not just that he couldn't walk. He had never walked. So not only was he healed but he was also strengthened so he could 
walk for the first time in his life. And only not only was he able to walk, but he knew how to walk, which is a miracle in itself, right? Normally you'd have to learn. It says, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. This would have been the first time he would have ever been allowed to go through that gate. According to Leviticus 21, 17 to 20, anyone who's lame is prohibited to go deeper into the temple than where he was. His whole life, he'd been sitting outside of that gate, begging for money, thinking what he really needed. What he really needed was just a few bucks, but what did he get? He got probably what he oh so dreamed of. He got to be able to walk through that gate with everyone else that he'd been seeing walk through there year after year after year when he was never allowed to go in. He thought he had a problem that needed to be solved with just a few bucks, and Peter saw that he had a problem, a bigger problem, that needed to be solved. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what he had happened to him. This amazement, this, this, this word carries a lot of emotion. Can you imagine the guy you felt bad for every single day as you walked by? And maybe some days you gave him some money, and maybe, but maybe somebody, you, you felt bad for him every day. Every day. Twice a day when you went to pray. And then one day he's better again. I like us to think about this this morning. When we think about trying to help people, and there are people that need help. And then we're talking about people that, that are outside, right? Last week was more, what do we do with the family together, right? And then you say, how do we people outside? I think we need to think about a few things. Many people that need help their problems are not simple, and their problems often deal with spiritual things. They're not simple, and they're often spiritual. And I don't know any testimonies where the guy walked into the church and asked for money, got it, and he said, and my life was changed for the better. Maybe there are. But you know what? Giving someone a few bucks is easy. It's easy. Get out of here. Get out of here. Here's your, here. Take your money. Don't come back. You maybe don't, of course, you don't say that, right? But, you know, you're saying it. You say, so how do we, I mean, when the guy comes in on Sunday morning, I can't exactly, like, sit down and get to know him and do so and so forth, right? It's difficult. So you say, how do we do this? How do we say we know there's bigger problems, there's deeper problems. We know many of those problems are deeply spiritual. So often, we, not, we need Christ, we need so many things. How do we deal with this problem? This is what I'd say. I'd say, you know, we support an organization called the Union Rescue Mission. I'm sure they're not perfect. I'm sure if you've worked with them, you can, you can have your complaints like every organization's not perfect. But what they try to do is they say, hey, you're someone who's living, you're, you're having a hard time, we're going to get to know you. They keep a database of everybody so they know who they are. 
where they've been and, and what they've been doing. And they say, if you are wanting to solve these bigger problems, we're going to do more for you than just give you a few bucks. Right? We provide you a meal. We're going to let you stay here. But we are going to try to get to where we are helping you with these bigger problems. We're going to take you to chapel. We're going to share Christ with you. We're going to try to help you get your life back in order. To me, these are following more of the principles that I see here. I don't see any principles in the Bible where the person walks by and says, here's a few dollars, see you later. And so I think that's why us supporting places like the Union Rescue Mission is so vital. Because though we may not be able to on Sunday morning when the guy walks in, take the time, and then develop our own database of everybody in the whole city who's ever come and so on and so forth, right? like we couldn't even do it. But if we band together as Christians here as a community, we support organizations like Union Rescue Mission, I think we have a possibility to say, you have this trouble, we're going to help you with this trouble, but we're going to try to figure out how to help you with these deeper problems, the number one being the spiritual problem, the number one being meeting Christ in your life. So as you guys know, last summer we did some movies out here outside, and we're going to do that again this year, but we're going to do it a little bit different this year. We're going to have a movie out for the neighborhood. We're going to invite everybody, but we're going to watch a movie about someone who worked at a homeless shelter and, and met someone in that homeless shelter, and there's a story about it. But we're not only going to do that. We're going to encourage all who come to the movie to bring some kind of something, and we'll figure out those details later. We'll ask you for specific things to help support the Union Rescue Mission. Because we know that while every person that walks through our door and asks for 20 bucks, we, we don't know. We, we feel like, I, I feel horrible. I tell them no every time. I feel horrible every time. I feel horrible every time. But I know if I want to try to have the bigger impact to try to say, how can I help this person with the bigger, deeper issues? I think organizations like Union Rescue Mission are part of the way that we can do that. And so while I won't be able to walk and heal someone like Peter, I just hope as we have this event that we as Sunnyside will get behind it and say, hey, we care about people. We, we, don't, have the, we, don't, know what's go we don't have the database. We can't keep track of everybody. But we're not just going to take the easy route of when someone annoys us, we'll give them a few dollars and we'll run away and, and, and that's it. We're going to try to invest in an organization that is going to try to make a bigger impact that I think Peter made on this life. This man didn't just have some money. This man now knew Christ. He helped him both spiritually and physically, and he could walk again. Because I think sometimes we can also get in this way. Well, we'll just share to Christ with them and then leave them, leave them there. Just share Christ. You know, Peter didn't walk by and go, have you heard about this Jesus guy? You should meet him. Got to go pray. He goes one step beyond that. Let's pray. Dear Lord, just thank you for this passage, Lord, and we get to Peter's speech next week and what he says regarding this, Lord. I just pray you continue to open our eyes. But, Lord, we just, it's just so hard to know. We want to, I hope we want to have compassion on people. I hope we want to be able to impact people's lives. I hope we want to be able to share Christ with people. I hope we want to be able to be there for people. But, Lord, we just don't know how sometimes. Lord, I just pray that you would use us to help the Union Rescue Mission. Lord, I just pray for the Union Rescue Mission this morning. I just pray that you would keep their motivations pure. I hope that they will continue to always focus on sharing the gospel with people, that they will continue to share 
the love of Jesus Christ to people, that they will focus on these deep spiritual needs of people, not just the temporary little physical money here or there. Lord, we just pray that you keep that passion in our hearts. Keep our hearts soft. It's so easy to become callous, and we've been used. We've, we've had people take advantage, and it's easy to become hard. And Lord, I just pray that you would keep our, our hearts soft in giving. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.